Wow, God is so good. We've been moving this year through a series of messages on rebuilding the walls. We talked the first quarter of this year about rebuilding the wall of prayer. And uh, we're finishing up this Sunday. We're wrapping up the second quarter of this year talking about rebuilding the wall of worship. And then we're going to move right into rebuilding the walls of evangelism in this house. We're excited about that. A couple weeks from now, we're going to turn Pastor Roger loose on you one whole Sunday morning. We're just going to, I don't know, we just may run 830 all the way through 11 o'clock knowing Pastor Roger. I don't know whether we can stop him long enough to have a break between it or not, but he lives and breathes evangelism. It's his anointing. It's his calling. It's his gifting. And, um, and he'll be sharing. I think that's the 11th, whatever the second Sunday in July is. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be preaching to us about evangelism, and um, I can hardly wait. I'm excited about uh, getting all of us involved in loving and caring and sharing the wonderful Word of Jesus. Today, as we finish up, I want to talk to you about worship and the fulfilled life. How many of you would like to reach that point in life where you're absolutely fulfilled? You're just... You, you just reach that point where you just know, wow, this is it. There, there's, I, I've, I've hit a level I've, that, uh, well, I want to take you to my text, which is in Psalm 16 and verse 11, and it tells you a little bit about that. Read it with me or watch it on the screen if you will. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let me read that again. Isn't that a powerful verse of Scripture? Many of you can quote that, I'm sure. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. We've studied several aspects of worship during this past quarter. And I want to end it today by exploring another perk or benefit that we can have and develop in our lives as we exercise our privilege of worship. Uh, I don't want to take my text out of context, so let me give you a little background, and then I'll move forward with it. This particular verse of Scripture is connected to or a part of a prophecy. You say, preacher, there's prophecy in the book of Psalms? Yes, there's prophecy all over the Bible. Amen. Uh, Moses prophesied about Jesus. It's not just Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and, and the major prophets and the minor prophets, but there's prophecy all through, prophecy through the Psalms, in fact. And this is one of those Psalms that is a prophetic chapter. The, the psalmist is actually prophesying about the ascension of the Lord Jesus. When you read the entire Psalm, you can see that, that he refers to the time when Jesus was crucified and he was buried. And the writer said, and again, he's prophesying because this is hundreds of years in advance of the actual event. But he said, to, it's like, as though Jesus is speaking to his father, said, you're not going to leave my body in that grave and in death, but you're going to bring me forth. So that was a prophecy about the resurrection. But then he says, after the resurrection, I'm going to ascend back to your presence because in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand, which is where Jesus is seated this morning, 
while we're here worshiping in spirit and truth, our Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father in the heavens above. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Wow, what a place that we can find in our Lord. And I can tell you this morning that you were born to worship and the ultimate goal is to get you forever into the presence of Almighty God because in his presence there's fullness of joy. Make sure that your neighbor gets that. Turn to your neighbor and say, in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Praise God. That's my message. So if you doze off, you got it, okay? Not encouraging you to do that, but <laughs> what I'm saying, that's the heart of my message. We've talked about, as I said, several aspects of worship, and we talked about the fact that you were actually created or born for worship. The question is, how do we get into that presence of the Lord that the writer's talking about here? And the answer is in what we've been studying, and that is in our worship to the Lord. Question number one in the first point of my message today, what is worship? Now, we talked about several things, but I want to sort of wrap all of that up, bring it together, and hone it down into one simple statement that I hope you can remember, and that is this definition of worship. Worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. It's an expression of our love to the Lord. So let's talk, take it apart. I'm going to deal with love and then I'll talk about the expression of love. First of all, love. What about love? Let's go to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. And I want you to look at this verse of scripture. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgment, and his commandments always. That sounds like a commandment, doesn't it? You know why it sounds like that? Because it is. God commands us to love him. Look at verses 13 and 14. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandment, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. Now, I told you that this sounds like a commandment because it actually is. We're commanded to love the Lord our God. But connected to this commandment is a powerful, powerful promise. Now, when God gives us a command, we have a choice to obey or disobey. You understand that? God doesn't take your free will away from you. He doesn't take your power to choose away from you. You still have the option. You don't have to serve the Lord. You didn't have to come here this morning. Thank the Lord you're here, but you came because you wanted to. You made a choice to come. And it's that way with serving the Lord. We choose to serve the Lord or to not serve the Lord. And connected to this commandment, God said, I want you to serve me and I command that you love me. But he said, if you'll do that, if you love the Lord with all your heart, here's the promise that I'm going to make. Now, he said, I'm going to give you the early rain 
and I'm going to give you the latter rain. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to us today because, you see, things have changed so much over the last several generations. There was a day when people would have understood this more in America than they do today because we were an agrarian society. And this command, when it was written to Israel, they too were an agrarian society. In other words, they made their living by tilling the land and harvesting the crops. That's the way they live. There was a day, it's been several generations ago, before the Industrial Revolution, America was basically an agrarian society. You, you, you farmed the land, you, you tilled the soil, you gathered in. That's the way people lived. Now, they bartered and sold because some people would raise corn, some people raise wheat, some people raise vegetables, some people raise something else, some people would raise animals, cattle or, or uh, poultry or, or whatever, and they'd swap and exchange. And, and, uh, so it was a different world in that age, but they understood. What God is saying here to Israel is, if you'll obey my command and love me with all your heart, in other words, make me the focus of your life. Worship me. If you'll, if you'll quit worrying about yourself and just worship me, I will see that you're taken care of. And not only will I see that you're taken care of, God said, look here, I, I won't just give you the early rain so that you can have a harvest. I'll give you another rain later in the year after you've harvested that crop. I'll give you the latter rain. In other words, he said, I will give you double for your trouble. I will give you two seasons of harvest in the year instead of just one. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And, and so, and so it, un, unlike uh, it, it is, in, as we understand it in our country today, you go up to the, uh, to the, to the uh, Midwest part of our country and the northern area, and you'll see, you know, great wheat fields. And you'll go to other areas. I used to live in Indiana, and you'd ride, you could ride on secondary roads for miles, and you couldn't see anything but corn at harvest time, just as far as you could see in any direction. It was just, it, it was just corn, and, and uh, that, that was their big crop and they would harvest that and then they would prepare for next year. But no, no, no. God gave a double blessing to Israel. He gave them two harvest times. So they could not only harvest uh, one crop, they could harvest even a different kind of crop at, at the second time. Double. If we brought that forward to today in a language where we could understand, God would be saying to you and me this morning, if you'll worship me, if you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and serve the Lord and obey the Lord, God said, I, I'll praise God, I'll give you some double time for your efforts. Amen. You, you get overtime that you weren't expecting and you'll get double pay for your life. I'll just bless you. I'll pour out. Anybody here could use a double portion of God's blessing on your life today? That's what he said. That's the promise. Give God praise for that. That's the promise that's connected with this commandment. I love the way God gives his commandments. He never gives us a commandment that he doesn't give us, first of all, the ability to obey it, and secondly, a blessing that comes to us if we'll obey it. You say, preacher, that's Old Testament. Talk to me in the New Testament. I'll be glad to. Look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 to 38. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? 
Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus said you can get out two hangers and you can take the law. And you can do this, by the way, with Ten Commandments. The first part of the Ten Commandments has to do with our relationship with God. He said you can take that part of the commandments, hang it on this, and you can do that with all the commandments of God in the Old Testament, all of the law and all of the prophets. Your relationship with God, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you'll be blessed. And then you can hang the rest of them on the second part. If you read the second half of the Ten Commandments, they have to deal with how we relate to one another. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, all that. That's, that's how we get along with one another. How many of you are glad your neighbor obeys those commandments. He's not stealing from you, not trying to kill you and all that, you know. And Jesus said, you you can hang all of it on that. This is the greatest thing there is as as it relates to the commands of God. You can put them in these two categories right here. Hang them on these two hooks. You've got the whole of the law and the prophets. Jesus said in another place, if we would just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these other things. In other words, here's your double portion. Here's your benefits. Here's your blessing. If you'll just love God with all your heart, all these other things will be added to you. And when you read that in context, he's talking about food, clothing, and shelter. You don't have to worry about those things. God, your heavenly father knows what you need even before you think or ask. And he's able to provide those needs for you. Can somebody say amen? All right, let's look at it again. First of all, We are commanded to love. We're commanded to love. And I know that hits us, especially in our Western culture, kind of strange because, you know, we, we all grew up with this idea that love is something that starts off when we're real young and we have these little, uh, little infatuations and they, they call it puppy love. Remember that? puppy love. And, uh, and, and then you get a, a little bit older and things got, start getting a little bit more serious. And, 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 and you think someplace, sometime, someday out there, it's going to happen. And, and some of you can testify that it did. You see her across that crowded room and all of a sudden, uh, fireworks go off in your head and sparks begin to flare in your mind. And, and bells begin to ring in your heart and there's a strange itching around your heart you can't scratch and 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 we call it falling in love we fall in love (laughs) that's the american way you know you fall in love And, and so we have problems understanding commanding love and yet god has no problem with that at all god commands us to love now in some other cultures, they still arrange marriages. Um, in fact, um, some of our, our good people here that are from India, um, sometimes they arrange marriages in India. Did, did you know if you'll do some research, you will discover that in arranged marriages, there's less divorce than there is in America in our falling in love concept. Uh, you know what that says to me? Parents are smarter than we are when we're young. <laughs> they just are. They, they, they do a better job. They understand us. They know more about us. And, uh, and uh, 
those of you that, that saw the wedding here a couple of years, I guess it's been a couple of years now, uh, when Presley and Praisey got married, that their parents worked that out for them. And, uh, I mean, they saw each other and got to make a up or down vote on it, but basically they arranged that. Uh, you, you ought to see them. They're as madly in love as any couple you ever saw. And, 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 and that was arranged. But they're following the command of the Lord to love one another. And, and, and so love can be commanded. <laughs> Back to this thing of falling in love. Did you, know, did you know that under the old covenant, when a young man got married, it was illegal to draft him into the army until he'd been married at least a year. Young people, when they got married, you couldn't even draft them into service. But you know what that tells me? Young married men aren't even fit to be killed. Um, you you, you, you got to understand what he's saying here. But, but listen, here, here's, here's the beauty of it. Let, let me get serious. When, when God gives you a commandment, the next thing I want you to understand is that God gives you the grace or the ability to obey that commandment. God loves a choice. We, 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 we make that choice whether to obey God or not. And then God gives us the ability if we decide to follow him to get that job done. Now, I, I, I tell young men in my office many times when they're struggling and they'll come up with something like me, like this. I just don't love her anymore. I said, well, did you love her when you married? Oh, yes, we were madly in love. But said, we've just, we've just kind of fallen out of love. That's one of the problems with falling in love. Sometimes you fall out. And, and then I tell them what the Bible says. The Bible says, husbands, love your wife. Now, that's a command from God. And boy, I've, I've seen them squirm and make excuses and say, preacher, you just don't understand. I said, I don't care whether I understand or not. That's a command from God and God will never command you to do anything that he won't give you the grace and the strength to do if you will attempt to obey him. You understand what I'm saying? You got to be willing. You got to make the choice. You got to say, Lord, this, this thing ain't working for me right now. This thing is terrible. I, I just, I don't have any feelings anymore, but I'm not going by my feelings. I'm going by your word and I'm going to, I'm going to obey your word. If you'll do that, then God will give you the grace and give you the strength and give you the ability. And I've seen it happen. I've remarried some couples that had already divorced when, when they decided to follow God's word and do what God said. Now that has to work on both sides. The, the husband is commanded to love his wife. The wife is commanded to respect or honor her husband. And you put those two things together and you create an atmosphere where love can grow. And it, it will work if you follow God's word. Forgive me for getting on a side trail here. This is not a marriage counseling session. This is a sermon for Sunday morning. So, so let me go to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. Look at this. This is what God's word says. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul so that you may live. Wow! 
I hope you got that one. I hope you jotted it down, took a note on it. If you didn't get it, go online next week and pull it off of the, off of the archive and, and get this one in your spirit. God said, if you will attempt to obey me, if you're willing to obey me, even if you don't have the heart to do it, I'll give you the heart to do it. Oh, praise God. Wow. That's what happens when we get saved. Give God praise for that. That's what happens when you're born again. When I, I know your old carnal mind and, and your old uh, dead spirit has trouble loving God and putting God first. But when you get born again, oh, do you remember when you first got saved? Oh, wow. Boy, did you love the Lord. You, you just couldn't wait to tell somebody about Jesus. You just love the Lord. You love to be in the house of the Lord. You love to read the word of God. You just, you just love the Lord. God said, that's what I'll do for you. If you'll make up your mind to worship and honor me, I will give you a heart to love me. And it didn't just stop there. He said, I will also give it to your descendants. Some of you need to claim this scripture and stand on it and start quoting it and believe in it and trust God for it. Some of you about to give up on your kids. Don't give up on your kids. Claim the word of God. Get in here and find a word like this. I've taken this, this particular scripture right here to the Lord this week. I'm, I'm concerned about the, the, some of my grandchildren. And, and, uh, and, and I'm not going to have the devil step in and get my family descendants at this point. I don't care if there are a couple generations away. They're still part of the bloodline. And I prayed for them before they were born, prayed for my kids before they're born, prayed for my grandkids before they're born, prayed for my great-grandkids before they're born, and the devil's not going to have them because God's Word said that if I love him with all of my heart, he'd give me the heart to worship him and that I could ask for my descendants and he'd pass that right on down to them. I'm calling them into the kingdom of God. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Stop letting the devil push you around. Take the word of God. God loves for us to do this anyway, by the way. This is not being arrogant. This is, just, this is just giving honor to the word of God. There's nothing your heavenly father likes more than for you in prayer to walk right into the courtroom of heaven. The Bible said, come boldly before the throne of grace and make your request known to God. That is the judicial structure of God's kingdom. And you can walk right into the kingdom of God, right into the throne room of God, right before the judgment of, of God, our judge seated on and say, uh, your honor, heavenly father, your honor, I'm here today. I got one right here that you gave me. I, I, I want this one for me. This, this is mine. I'm claiming this one today. If it's, if it's okay with you and God's going to say, sure, it's okay with me. I wouldn't have put it in my word if it hadn't been okay for me. You want that? And he'll start putting the angels of God to work to set things up so that your kids can, can get a good influence that will help draw them to the Lord. Amen. Oh, glory to God. The power of worship. You just, you, you, we, we haven't even scratched the surface. Praise God. Well, let me move on. Did you know that love can grow? God commands us to love, and if we're willing, he'll give us the ability and the strength and, and even the desire. But then it can grow. Love can grow. Love can mature. God, love can develop. I'll soon be married 49 years. I can tell you this morning, I love my wife more today than I did the day I married her. Amen. 
Oh, it's different. 49 years will make a lot of difference. Um, but when you go through life's problems together and you support one another and you pray one for another and you pull together and you, you fight these battles together, it causes your love to increase. It gets stronger. I know you, you say, preacher, I just don't know how. For example, with your kids, you may not know how you can love them any more than the first time you saw them, just all that, just that love. But let me tell you, the longer they live, the more you love them. It just, it just keeps growing. Love can grow. Now, if love can grow and if love's a choice, then love can also wane. You understand that? If it can go this way, it can also go this way. And a lot of people have not kept that shield of faith up and they've allowed the enemy. And he's, going, he's coming after you. He's coming after you. He's going to throw his darts. But if you don't keep the shield of faith up, those darts will puncture your love balloon and it'll start going down. You know, you, 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 when, you, when you get married, you, you make these statements and, and you, you're not thinking uh, good time of living when you're young and in love. You're not thinking you stand up and you say before God and before a bunch of witnesses and, and in, in some cases a great big old house full of people, church full of people, you say for better, for worse. You're not thinking about worse. You're thinking about better. Now, come on, admit it. You, you, worse never crossed your mind. Yeah, better. <laughs> Boy, it's better. You just wait. It's better. Better or worse, richer for poor, sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. <clears throat> but then things get worse. And if you're not careful, love will start diminishing and, and, and you'll lose out. That's when, that's when you got to get busy and create that atmosphere where love can grow. I'm convinced that if you will keep an atmosphere of appreciation and respect and honor for one another, love will grow. It, it just will. But if you lose those, if you disrespect and you dishonor and you start speaking your mind, when your mind is not centered on the Word of God, uh, you're going to be in trouble with, with that love. It'll start diminishing. So don't let it do that. Let your love grow in the Lord. Now, that's, we've talked about love. Let's talk about love expressed because remember, worship is what? Love expressed. Love expressed. How do we express love? Well, now, first of all, I want to tell you, that there's a big difference in the way women think and in the way men think. We all, we've talked about this many times. Um, women predominantly think out of the right side of the brain or the emotional side of the brain. Men typically think out of the left side of the brain or the logical, uh, reasonable side of the brain. Um, and, and my wife said that means that women are the only ones in the right mind. But, uh, but it's, it's the way God made us, and that's the way it works. Let me tell you something about women. Women learn by listening and talking. Can I say that again? Women learn by listening and talking. Men, on the other hand, learn by watching and doing. 
Men learn by watching and doing. Women learn by listening and talking. Men learn by watching and doing. Let me illustrate. Jesus had 12 disciples. All of them were men. You know how he taught them? He said, you guys follow me. Follow me. And they did. They followed him for three and a half years. They stayed right with him. They watched everything he did. And when he got ready to send them out to do things, he said, now go do what you've seen me do. Basically, you, you just go heal the sick, cast out those. How, how did they know how to do that? They watched him. Watch me, Jesus is saying, watch me and go do what you see me do. You say, well, preacher, Jesus taught in parables all the time. Yeah, that's because he had women in the congregation. Women learn by listening and talking. Uh, let, me, let me prove it to you. When Jesus, Jesus would give these pa- parables and, and women say, I, I got it. And as soon as service was over, his 12 disciples would call him over the side and say, would you explain that to us? <laughs> what did that parable mean? They, they didn't get it because that's not how men learn. Men learn by watching and doing. And, and so, listen, women, if your husband goes fishing with his buddy and he comes in and you ask him, what do you guys talk about? What's he going to say? Say it out loud, women. Why do you ask him that? <laughs> don't, don't, don't ask a man what he and another man talked about. Because when he says nothing, you're going to get mad. And he's telling you the truth. He's telling you the truth. Let, 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 let me show you what I mean. Brother Tony, would you help me again? I, I want you to help me out here. I want to I I carry on a man kind of conversation with you, okay? All right. Uh, good morning, Brother Tony. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. Um, how's your day going? It's going good. How's yours? Mine's going good. What's going on in your life lately? Not much. (laughs) How about yours? Nothing. Now, we just had... A typical male conversation. We don't learn by by listening and talking. We learn by seeing and doing. So listen, women, let's get back to the fishing thing. Women, next time your husband goes fishing, he comes home, don't ask him what they talked about. Ask him what they did. And he'll say, Oh, we went to Lake Thurman. We put in at Trade Winds, and uh, old Bill, he, uh, he knew this. The water was kind of choppy, but Bill knew this cove over here, and we headed off to that cove and, and started fishing. I started catching him before he did, and so finally he asked me to borrow one of my lures. I learned to loan him more one of my lures, and he started catching fish too. And, and, and a man can talk to you all day if you'll talk about what he's doing. But don't ask him what they talked about, for heaven's sakes. Because you're going to get that answer. 
And it's a true answer, nothing. Now, I said all of that to say this. Women and men express themselves differently. And men, I'm, I'm so concerned that you get this because you are supposed to be scripturally the spiritual leader in your home. And, and that's difficult for men sometimes. But there's a lot of helps out there, and you, 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 you can have devotion with your family. But you need to get over this idea that for you to worship God, you have to worship God exactly like your wife does. Some men feel guilty. They feel, what's wrong with me? I'm just, I'm just not spiritually where my wife is. They'll come to church, and, and, and they may get this much. And they look over at their wife, and their wife is, oh, praise the Lord, and tears are running, and they're just happy, and their face is glowing, and they're just, they're just so excited, just worshiping the Lord with everything that's in them. And the, and the guy is standing there feeling like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel that? Why don't I get that? Well, you don't get that because God didn't make you like that. Now, there are some men that are emotional. If you are, it's fine. Embrace it. Be what God made you to be. But for most men, they're not even over in that emotional side of the brain to start with. Worship for you, if you're an outdoorsman, for example, worship for you may be just walking out in the woods and looking up as the sunlight begins to stream through the trees in the early morning and say, wow, God, you're awesome. You're awesome. I just marvel at your creation. I just, thank you for the sunshine. Thank you for the sunshine that you let come into my heart and life. The S-O-N shine, not just the S-U-N sunshine. That, that may be an epiphany for you that's equal to any shouting anybody does in the house of God. What I'm saying to you, find where and how you can reach with your spirit into the presence of God with your worship. After all, worship is love expressed. So however you have to express that love to God, express it. There's another definition I like about worship, and that is that it is giving value or worth to. And somebody coined the word worship is worth-ship. In other words, you're elevating what is worthy or worth your attention and your time and whatever. That's why Jesus, when he taught us the Lord's Prayer, he said, started off by saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're giving worth or value to the name of Almighty God. You're honoring that. It's what you, what you give worth to. That, that's why when we give our tithe and offering, we, we say from this pulpit that we want to worship God with our giving because that's exactly what it is. That's giving value or worth. Your money is an expression of your time. That's a way of worshiping God. Did you know that? Don't, don't just pluck the bunk, uh, bucket, just here's this, you know, throw it in. Think about it as what it is. You're taking a part of your time that you spent working to earn that money and you're bringing a part of your life and giving it to the Lord. That's saying, Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy. 
I'm, I'm not only giving you the 10% that, that's yours that belongs to you, and I'm being a good steward and bringing it to you and giving, but, but Lord, I'm giving you an offer. I'm, I'm giving you something out of my time that, that you blessed me out of the 90% that's mine, and I'm giving to you. That can be a, a worship. I don't, I don't know how you do it. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's just that you do it. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Because when you worship the Lord, you move yourself into his presence. And what's in his presence? Fullness of joy. Glory to God. Fullness of joy. I can, oh, glory to God. Yes. Some of you have experienced that. There is a level of worship where there's an expression of your love that brings a joy that's unspeakable, that's full of glory, that excites your spirit, your soul, your body, every part of your fiber of your being to a level unlike any other experience in this world. Worship will do that for you. Praise the Lord. I want you to stand with me, please. I want the prayer team to come, those that are going to be leading us in worship in the next few minutes. I ask you again, if you can, I know if there's an emergency, we understand. But if you possibly can, would you stay with us to the very end of the service? We want to go out with a great song of, of celebration at the end. And we also need all of you to help us at the end of the service, if you will. But we want to take a few minutes before we leave to pray for those who may need to come and pray. And, and also to give you, some of you may want to just come and worship the Lord for a few minutes before you go today. So for the next few minutes, the prayer team's here. This is a very valuable part of the service. If you're unsaved, you can come give your heart to Jesus. If you need healing, these folks will pray for you and believe God to do for you what he did for Brother Elton McClellan that testified earlier in the service. Whatever you need this morning, you may need a financial miracle. God's in the miracle working business. He can give you that double portion that I was talking about a while ago. You may want to come and just say, Lord, I want to worship you, and I'm believing you by faith to receive that double portion, that early rain, that latter rain, that, that outpouring of your spirit. Some of you may just want to come down here this morning while they're singing and just worship the Lord with all your heart. You may just want to stand here and say, Lord, I, I want to worship you a few minutes. We're not going to take but about five minutes for this part of the service. I mean, obviously, for people who want to stay longer, we'll stay and pray with you all day if you want to. But, but we're going to, those of you that want prayer and want somebody to pray with you, or you want to come stand here for a few minutes and worship while we sing this hymn at the end of the service, feel free to move this way right now, just quickly, if you will. The rest of you, if you'll just be seated and worship with us while they sing this song. God bless you as you worship.